Welcome to the Food Freedom Fertility Podcast. Here, we discuss the challenging, rewarding, and life-changing process of recovering your period and finding freedom with food and exercise. Whether you're hoping to regain your cycle to get your health back on track, or you're ready to become a mama, this podcast is for you. While the recovery process isn't always rainbows and butterflies, it's my hope to bring you both information and inspiration during your own recovery journey. I'm your host, registered dietitian and fellow HA woman, Lindsay Lesson. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Food Freedom Fertility Podcast, HA Recovery and Beyond. I'm so excited to bring on this past client of mine and have her share her fertility journey story with you guys, and hopefully you find this incredibly inspiring because I do. Whitney lives in Greenville, South Carolina, and is a mother to one and one on the way. Right before starting IVF for a second time, she found Lindsay while scrolling on Instagram one day. Whitney struggled with an eating disorder and overexercise in her early 20s, but with the help of her family and some professional support, she was able to recover for the most part. However, she never got her period back. Because of this, she ventured into IVF in hopes of getting pregnant in 2020. For Whitney, her fertility journey was a long road, physically and emotionally, not to mention financially draining and time-consuming. She was blessed to get pregnant and have her first son through IVF, but when she decided it was time to try for baby number two, her heart longed to get pregnant naturally. She joined the Food Freedom Fertility Society and was able to regain her period in less than a month of working with Lindsay. After getting her period back, Whitney was amazed that she was able to conceive her second child naturally without any fertility treatment. She's now 30 weeks along and due with another boy in October. Through HA recovery, Whitney expresses she now feels a freedom around food, body image, and exercise that she had never felt before. Welcome and thanks so much for coming on today, Whitney. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and share my story. Yeah, your story is one of my favorites because. I think sometimes whenever we are struggling with period loss, especially when it comes to fertility and the main goal is to become a mom, you know, we're going to trust what our doctors have to say. And so I just can't wait to get into your journey, what you've learned, um, and let you share kind of some tips and tricks and wisdom that you learned through your own recovery. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. Well, let's dive in. So can you share a little bit about kind of how you lost your period or when you realized that a missing period was a big deal? Well, um, as you said in my intro, I struggled with an eating disorder um, in my early 20s. However, um, at the beginning of my freshman year of college, I went on birth control, as many of us do, and um, stayed on birth control throughout um, the recovery period of um, my eating disorder. And so I never realized that it was missing didn't know that was a thing with eating disorders. Um, and then, um, since I continued to stay on birth control past recovery, I didn't realize that it was still missing. And, um, it wasn't until I went off of the pill in 2017, because we were quote, ready to start our family, (laughs) um, that I realized that, wait a minute, this it's, it's not coming back. Um, something isn't quite right. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that because I think there are a lot of women, whether or not they did actively struggle with an eating disorder, but they're on the pill for birth control or for one reason or another. And it might be decades 
that go by and you're getting that false reassurance every single month that you're getting a bleed and that it's not a big deal. So you come off the pill in 2017, no period. How long did you wait to speak with a doctor about it? And what advice were you given? Um, I waited until about October. So we went off, I went off of the pill in July. So I gave it a few months and, you know, people reassured me that that it was normal to, for it to take a while. And, um, so we went to see our first fertility doctor in the fall. And, um, actually that fertility doctor, um, did diagnose me with HA. Okay. Um, she was willing to help. We did, I think we attempted to do, um, we, to do some kind of fertility treatments we did, uh, attempted to do an IUI, but never, my body just wouldn't respond because the hormones just weren't there. Um, so yeah, we started that in, um, the fall. And when she told me very gently to maybe try to gain some weight in order for my hormones to kind of kickstart, I found another fertility doctor that, um, was more than willing to help and never mentioned, uh, you know, a peep of AJ or anything like that. So, um, that doctor is the one that we ended up going with for IVF. Um, okay. and that fortunately was successful, but, um, yes, I, forget your initial question, but that's, yeah. That's so it sounds like, it sounds like when you went to your doctor, your doctor, like hit the nail on the head and said, you have AHA and she said, let's move forward with fertility treatment. But she also told you to gain weight, which it sounds like maybe didn't sit very well with you. Tell us a little bit about what was going through your head at that point in time when she said that. Yeah, I, um, I thought, you know, she's wrong. I've been there. I've done that. I've done the recovery. Um, I've sought professional help. Um, I've graduated from the programs. I've been told I'm at an okay weight. Um, so I thought, no, 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 there's something else going on here. Um, she's got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's so scary. common for those of us with an eating disorder history, because we want to so badly leave that chapter behind. We want to check the box. We want to move on. We want to say, I'm recovered from my eating disorder. This isn't the thing. And I know this was the case for me when I first learned about HA and was kind of trying to self-diagnose is I was reading information about HA and I was like, that's not me because I already did the work and recovered and I still wasn't getting a period. So something was off. And so you found another doctor, you were able to, um, start the process of, so did you go straight from working with a doctor who diagnosed you with HA to working with new doctor and just starting IVF or tell us more about that process? Um, there was a curious side of me, um, because I, I feel like deep down, you know, when, um, you are fully recovered or holding on to a few lingering, um, food rules or exercise habits. And I think deep down, I knew there was, there had to be some truth to what she was saying. Um, certainly the lab work showed it. So I did, um, do some Googling and, um, reading of my own, um, I read the popular book of on HA called no period. Now what? And, um, thought, you know, I, 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 maybe I could do this. Um, gave it a few like false, not really all in goes at recovery. Um, and then ultimately decided pretty quickly that, um, 
we would just go with another doctor because I decided that going through IVF would be easier than facing the, the true, mm. the true problem and the true issue here. Yeah. Yeah. That's where and, we went. Yeah. And tell us a little bit more about IVF. Like was it, it sounds like in your, in your head, you were at the crossroads of, do I do the um, hard work of recovering my period naturally, or do I do IVF? And for you at that time, it felt like IVF was the easier route. Was it the easier route or tell us more about your experience with IVF? especially if like maybe someone's listening and they don't even know what they're in for with IVF. Yeah. Um, goodness, it is a process and, um, definitely not easy by any means, um, easier. And maybe that you don't have to, um, take as many looks inward. (laughs) Mm. Um, however, oh my goodness. So, um, so time consuming. I didn't realize there would be doctor's appointments multiple times a week. Um, you know, pharmacy medicines that show up on your door and you have to be there to sign for and put in the fridge. And then not to mention giving, um, yourself shots multiple times a day. Um, And then, like I said, all the doctor's appointments to follow up and see how the shots are working or if they're not working and it's an emotional roller coaster, Mm -hmm. um, just seeing the progress or lack thereof, um, which is what I experienced a lot in the beginning, because um, definitely having HA, my hormones, my body was very slow to respond and um, lots of comments were made about, you know, wow, this is the, this is a high dose and, you know, you, your body should be responding quicker than this. I thought, you know, you're, you're at a healthy weight and everything seems right. There's nothing, um, wrong in quotes with you. Uh, we're confused why it's not working. So it's, it's emotionally taxing, um, because you're certain, you know, you're preparing to, conceive a child and then you get news that's good. And then you get Mm -hmm. news that's bad the next Mm -hmm. day. And, um, and then we also, I mean, it was a huge financial burden too, um, depending on, you know, people's insurance and all of that. We, we did not have any coverage, so it was very, very costly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that for most people ends up being the case is that a lot of fertility treatment in general is not covered by insurance. And so how, tell us about the time investment from when you started the process of IVF, how long did it take until you were actually pregnant? Um, probably four months, I think. Um, I, I think so. I, we had so many, like, you know, I, we, we attempted some IUIs first. And then once those don't work, that feels like money down the drain. Um, and then, and then you start back up once you get your emotions and finances back in order. Um, but I believe it was about four months total. We also chose or chose our doctor, um, recommended us do a frozen transfer. So there's kind of like a pause there, um, where you're not technically doing, you're not in the thick of IVF, but, um, but you're, you're still waiting nonetheless and anticipating and (laughs) all of that. Yeah. So four months of, you know, hormones, lots of back and forth. Um, if you feel comfortable, what would you say was the financial investment ballpark? Oh, goodness. Um, 
probably end all be all between 25 and 30,000. Yeah. And that's usually what I hear as, as kind of par for the course on, and, and, and right. Like you already alluded to this, like some people do have certain things covered by insurance, but I think, yeah. um, and was that with one round of IVF or was that with more than one round of IVF? It was with one round. However, um, they, they have like a lump sum that you pay up front, but the pharmacy fees are individual. And, um, if you have HA, I mean, I'm not saying this as a blanket statement, but your body seems to need more drugs. Um, and those are, you know, additional costs. So I kept having to purchase more and more, um, in order to get my body ready for, um, uh, egg retrieval. So, um, and in this kind of layered. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, oh my gosh. Thanks so much for sharing all that background. I think that's so helpful for people who are prepping for this, uh, this journey, but in the process of, you know, having to take the highest doses or having people say, wow, why isn't this working? Or like, like hearing that your body, it sounds like wasn't taking to the treatment as expected and having had the knowledge from reading the book, no period. Now, what was there ever a part of you? Like, were you actively working on recovery too during this time? Or were you moving forward with everything that you kind of wanted to do food and exercise wise? Um, I think I, I think I was just honestly moving forward and not really working. I mean, not really working on recovery. Um, I think I was still, I think I had decided that, um, I was recovered and that, um, IVF was right for me. And it was the only, it was the only option at that point. I had decided that that was the only option at that point. Yeah. And there wasn't a part of you when you were seeing the highest doses of things, there wasn't a part of you that was like, oh, maybe I should pull back on the exercise or maybe I should, you know, give my body a little bit more food. None of that going on at that point in time. Oh yes. Yes. A hundred percent. There was, (laughs) which is, which is why, um, when it came for baby number two, there was a little bit more hesitancy in, um, starting the IVF process because there was definitely something, um, tugging at me saying you can do something about this. Yeah. Yeah. But I chose to ignore it the first time. Right. Right. And you know, in some ways it did work. You were able to get pregnant and you have a son now. And so what was kind of like the thing that finally made you realize that you wanted to get your period back postpartum and do a different, you know, go a different route for trying to conceive with your second kid? I think that, um, I longed as a woman to, um, have sex to get pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, I wanted to have a cycle and like have, have a few days where I knew I was ovulating and, you know, pee on the stick and be surprised at a pregnancy test. I just, I wanted to experience that naturally. Um, and I, I knew deep down that I could, because there's, you know, like I said, nothing quote wrong with, you know, there we didn't have any medically diagnosed problems inhibiting us from having children. So I, I really just longed for that natural part of, you know, womanhood that we're so blessed to be able to 
have. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like too, there was a time where you were convinced that there wasn't a problem and IVF was the only way, but then there was this evolution to where eventually we realized that there was another way. And it sounds like the desires of your heart basically evolved or changed. What were some of the things at play that helped you to get from point A to point B? Um, having my son, <laughs> um, realizing that, um, there has to be more than, um, you know, body image being your number one concern. And, um, I felt like I was ultimately being selfish and saying that I'd rather cost my family, take money away from, you know, savings that we could be doing for our son, just for me to retain this specific body type that I wanted in order to get pregnant again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I so appreciate you sharing that perspective because for some people, it's not an option. Like for some people, IVF is their only option, but for someone with HA, you do have the option. And so tell me a little bit more about when you decided you needed more support, if you were going to go and you were going to do the period recovery thing, and you were going to put your eggs all in the, the basket of a natural pregnancy, how did you realize that you needed more support? Like that this wasn't something you were just going to be able to do on your own. Um, well, like I mentioned before, when I first read the no period now, what book, um, it was back when I first was diagnosed with HA and I made several puny attempts to <laughs> go all in and, um, get my period back. But the moment that I thought that something about my body was changing, um, AKA I was making progress, I, um, would immediately revert okay. back to, um, my safe zone, which yeah. was to, you know, keep those food rules alive and exercise, um, to burn calories. Um, and I was, as you mentioned in my intro, scrolling through Instagram one day about to start my, um, second IVF cycle. And I thought, um, I resonated with a lot of your posts and thought that, you know, maybe if I had someone or a group of people, um, backing me up or saying like, Hey, me too. I feel this way too. And I had a hard day too. And, um, you know, just going through it with someone else and, um, having somebody that totally has been there, walked in those shoes. I thought that would be the only way that I could get through, um, doing, doing the all in and, um, trying to retrieve my period. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was a game changer for you because when we first visited, I, I knew that there was a lot of fear, but I also like, also knew that there was a lot of determination. You know, that's one thing with a lot of us type A women who have AHA is we're very determined. And so in the right environment with the right level of support, we can be very type A about recovery. And that yes. is what I feel like you did when we started working together you dove in and 
it wasn't easy, but you got your period back very quickly in less than a month. And I think sometimes that can be like a nice little carrot along your path of recovery. And so with the recovery process and working together, what was for you the best thing, like in terms of working together and changing some of these habits, what was your favorite thing about the recovery process? Um, my favorite part of the recovery process, um, was definitely giving myself the food freedom. Um, and I'll speak more to that in a second, but, and the second thing was, um, the free time Yeah, (laughs) Um, because I wasn't exercising. I did, um, I did cut out all forms of exercise, um, just, you know, walking to take my dog out down the street and back, nothing, nothing substantial. Um, whereas I had probably been spending, you know, an hour plus exercising every day. So, um, so yeah, my, my two favorite parts were that I will say that the, the determination part that you were speaking of earlier is definitely what kept me going. Um, because I was determined not to let you down or anybody in the group down, you know, I didn't want to say like, y'all, I I gave up or I gave in, or, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to find success through it. And, um, that really helped me push through the hard times. But, um, so yeah, that was a favorite part of recovery and the emotional part, I guess. Um, but yeah, definitely, um, not, not having the food rules. I felt like I, I could eat whenever I wanted to. And, um, I could eat as much as I wanted to. And when I went to a restaurant, there was nothing that I couldn't get. Um, and that's not to say I didn't sometimes choose the, you know, the salad or whatever, because that's what I was wanting. But, um, I would say more often than not, it was like, Ooh, this isn't off limits anymore. I think I'm going to give this food a try. (laughs) And I think that's such an important part of the recovery process mentally from HA is the permission to eat the foods that have been off limits and with food freedom, hence the name freedom, you have the freedom to have the burger or the salad. It is 100% up to you. But when we're coming from a place of eating disorder or disordered eating period loss, it is helpful both mentally and physically for your recovery for you to dip your toes in the food that maybe feels uncomfortable or is outside of your safe zone. And so what I'm hearing is that even just being able to go to a restaurant and not feeling like you had to order the healthy option was a huge benefit of recovery for you. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. And, and I do the grocery shopping in my family and there were definitely things that I came home with from the grocery store that my husband was shocked and very excited about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel like finding more freedom with food has impacted your relationship with your husband or even with your son? Do you feel like it's made things less stressful or are there any big like things that you feel like have impacted your life just on that level? Uh, absolutely. I think that, um, our date nights are more fun. Um, we share food more often. 
um before it was definitely like well you're gonna get this thing so i'm gonna you know i'll i'll get my steak or whatever it is and um you can just stick with your veggies or whatever um so that's fun because i feel like um part of my love language is like a shared experience and so experiencing the good food together is um really fun and um you know I think it also helps me uh, connect with my son and that like we can go out for ice cream sometimes when I pick him up from daycare and um, the snacks that I buy him are probably impacted, even though I'm not necessarily always eating them. Um, but I, I might have chosen, you know, something healthier or, you know, always the organic option mm-hmm. and um bless him. He's getting to eat some goldfish and (laughs) cheese it's and all the things. So, um, I think that's been beneficial too. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, you think about our first example of food and our relationship with food is what's modeled for us in our household. And so while there's nothing wrong with giving your kids fruits and veggies, it's also important that you create an environment where food is very neutral and goldfish are the same as eating strawberries. And if you personally don't believe that and you have food rules around foods like that, then that's going to show up in how you model things to your kids. So I just love you sharing how that's changed for you. And I'm excited for you and, and your boys moving forward and your, your, your ability to be able to model that for them. Yeah, it's fun. It's been fun. So we're talking about what's been the best part of recovery and we're, we're kind of giving a highlighted reel here. What do you feel like for you was the hardest part of recovery, Whitney? Oh, the hardest part, man. I, there, um, there were many days where I was like, Ooh, this is, this is so challenging. Um, told my husband to just leave me and leave me in peace for a little bit. I just needed to, you know, take a minute. Um, it, it, uh, is very mentally challenging to watch your body change because, um, I, I did need to gain weight. And, um, when you gain weight, you can see, you can see that and, um, feel it when you put on some clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say, that, um, the, the mental side of struggling with letting, letting those, um, idols, if you will go. Yeah. What were some things that you found to be helpful when you were really struggling with body image to kind of get through to the next day or even the next hour? Um, putting on something more comfortable for sure. Um, not being constantly reminded that, you know, your jeans are really tight, um, going outside and playing with my son, just, just completely getting out of your head, um, not isolating myself and, um, obviously talking to the girls, um, that in the group that I was a part of with you um, was very, very helpful in trying to remember and bring it to the sessions that we had together. Um, those were things. Like having a safe space to communicate that you're struggling and letting people say like, it's okay to feel that way. Um, but I also love too about how it sounds like you found ways to 
not linger with the feelings, right? You're feeling uncomfortable in your body. How can I make myself more comfortable? I'm going to put on something. I'm going to put on something that actually isn't, you know, skin tight on my body. Um, or even how do I not dwell on this and spiral? I'm going to go distract myself and do something that has nothing to do with what my body looks like. I'm going to go play with my son. So I think those are some really, really helpful, practical tips. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, another thing that you said, I wrote down one time when we were in a group session and it really stuck with me, um, just because I am that like type A glory and a kind of person, um, that when I was feeling those changes and noticing those changes, um, physically in my body, um, that to remind myself that that is my goal. Like my goal is to, regain the weight that I need, regain the nourishment that I need to get my period. So like when I'm, instead of thinking that as like a negative thing of like, oh, I'm gaining weight, that's bad. It's I'm actually getting closer to my goal. So like, good for you. You're, you know, you're getting closer to your goal. Um, And that was really helpful for me in some weird way, just knowing that like, I am, I am getting close. My goal is to restore and I'm getting closer. And this is a positive sign that I'm getting closer. Right. And I think that reframe is huge. I think it's hard to do on your own because all of the messages that you're hearing from media, from gyms, from well-meaning friends and family members is weight loss is good. Weight gain is bad. So in order to be able to really retrain your brain to recognize that gaining weight is actually really good for fertility. And your end goal is either getting your period back or becoming a mom. You really have to flood yourself with a different message and have it reinforced all the time. And I think that that's such a huge part of being connected to a community where you're meeting every single week or multiple times a week to have that message reinforced and kind of, again, rewire our brains to not think that way. So I'm, I, I appreciate you sharing that too. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. And, you know, honestly, your fertility journey, getting your period back took less than a month. And then you actually had a positive pregnancy test, like less than three months later. Is that right? Yes, that's right. I got my period back in mid-December, I think. And I think I found out mid-January that I was pregnant. Yeah, that's crazy. So relatively short time to pregnancy, which is exciting. If somebody is at a crossroads right now and they're trying to decide between doing IVF versus going the recovery route, getting their period back and, and going for that natural pregnancy, having been with me in both situations, what advice would you give to that person today? Um, I, I would say put in the hard work. Um, it is so much more life giving and fulfilling to, um, to take the hard steps and, um, restore your body's, um, hormone levels and, um, get to where you need to be in order to, if you can get pregnant, um, naturally, I think that, um, it has made me so much more confident in, um, being a woman. Um, it's just been the ultimate experience and I have been able to truly, um, value this pregnancy. Not, not that I of course didn't value the first one by any means, but, um, 
it's, it's just, it feels really good to, um, set yourself, um, up to succeed. And, um, it feels really good to follow through and, um, to meet those goals. Um, and yeah, it's really, it's really hard, but both journeys are, um, however, at the end of this one, not only will I have a child, I will have, um, freedom with, um, food and, um, freedom in my postpartum journey, healing from, um, having a baby, um, not feeling, you know, the urge to quote, get your body back immediately. I think I'm just going to really enjoy the postpartum, um, phase much more as well, um, due to the hard work that you put in upfront. But, um, yeah, I would say that it's definitely a hard route, but it is, it is so rewarding in way more ways than you can imagine. Right. Like many things in this life, yes, going through some sort of hard healing journey is in fact hard. It is very hard. It is not necessarily the easy way out. Although I think we can have some takeaways from this episode too, that IVF is no cakewalk. Um, but just that you put in the hard work and there's so many more benefits even beyond just being able to get pregnant. So you kind of already answered some of this question, but what's next for you? I mean, it sounds like you're already thinking about your postpartum journey um, and you are due in October with your second baby. What would you say you're most looking forward to becoming a mom of two? Um, I am so looking forward to, um, seeing them interact with each other. Um, I know that's like really jumping forward. Um, but, um, I I'm excited. I recently, um, took a step back at work and I'm doing part-time. So, um, I'm excited to have a little bit more time to spend with both of them. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited to, um, be a boy mom. I never really thought that that would be, uh, my journey, but, um, I'm embracing it and learning to know all the names of the tractors and the trucks and <laughs> <laughs> slowly, but surely, but, um, uh, yeah. And yeah. that, that kid interaction, even though you're, you're thinking far ahead, it is just like so sweet too, even just to see your toddler interact with like their sibling, like even from a young age, it's, it's just such a sweet time. And it sounds like too, you're looking forward to some rest, recognizing that once the baby does come, I don't have to worry about, you know, the bounce back culture. Of course, it's always going to be there and it's, we're bound to feel triggered from time to time, but you recognizing that you have the tools and the support to be able to push those messages aside and recognize that that's not where your worth or where your identity is anymore. So that's amazing. Well, Whitney, anything else you would like to share before we wrap today, just in terms of maybe somebody going through the recovery process or maybe, maybe somebody in denial that HA is their, is their kind of main diagnosis, anything that you would say maybe to yourself back in 2017? Oh man, the denial part is the hardest, I think, um, because it's just, it's really hard to break through, but, um, I would say that, um, if you're not having your period, whether you're trying to conceive or not, um, you're doing your body a disservice. Um, and 
it is, it's a super hard journey, but it's so worth it. And it's so freeing. Um, I would urge you to not give up if you're already in that race. Um, there is, there is benefits. You, you can get your period back. Um, and then if you're in denial to just really dig and, um, I don't know, follow, follow Lindsay's account or follow (laughs) other accounts that are, um, similar. And I think that, um, it'll, it'll help you, um, hear the truth of, um, your reality of HA, um, quicker and more effectively. I mean, I know social media has a way of influencing people. So, yeah. um, just kind of dig in and stay on that side of things rather than the, um, you know, skinny workout more, you know? Yeah. That yeah. That's such a good point. Cause you do curate your own social media feed. And so if you're wanting to move from denial and inaction about maybe something you're experiencing to feeling more empowered to take action, you know, changing the th- people that you follow or the things that you subject yourself to as much as you can, right? You can't control yeah. everything, but those are, those are some great um, takeaways. Well, Whitney, thanks so much for your time and sharing your wisdom. We're excited for you come October to have another baby and we really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you found this episode to be inspiring or helpful, please share on social media and tag me at food.freedom.fertility. Also, don't forget to leave a rating and a review.